0: this is Tyler Crook and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, As usual, it's Gabe doing one of the interviews and today we have with us on the line and on video Frank Gogol. Uh, You know him as the creator of No Heroin, Dead End Kids, and Grief. Uh, He's won the Independent Creator Awards and also a Ringo Award uh, for Grief and Dead End Kids on that Independent Creator Award. Uh, Frank, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, man? <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Is this is this the third time now? I think this so is like the third it. time, yeah.
1: <laughs> is the championship belt? Like, am I the reigning champ? So
0: yeah. there's there's another guy that I think has been on the show five times. Uh, he's another independent comic creator, so maybe we'll just have you back month after month for a couple months, and then you catch up with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're the, the puppet of Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm good.
1: I'm good. Like, you know, all things considered, it's it's 2020. There's a lot of really awful shit going on. Um, I'm healthy. Uh, my wife and I are both healthy. We're both still working. Uh, we haven't killed each other being locked in the house Oof. for the last, guys, it's been nine months already. And, you know, still making comics. So, like,
0: yeah,
1: aside from not traveling to cons and going to work every day, like, things are kind of the same in a, in a comfortable way.
0: That's awesome, man. It's good to hear that you're healthy. You know, everything being what it is, it's like crazy, you know, and you hate to, you hate to even think about like your friends and people that you know, like on a professional level getting sick, but you hear about it all the time. So I'm I'm glad you're doing good, man. <laughs> so, so kind of to dive right into that, like, so I know how you are about conventions like you latch on to them and you go 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 during that convention season I think the last time we talked was like probably in like January or February so like we were all kind of getting ready for convention season but then like it all collapsed in on itself what was it like watching that all just kind of fall apart at the beginning of the year because I know it was really deflating for us and we don't rely on it for income, you know, we go to do the show. It's not, you know, part of my living. So it's like, (laughs) I can't imagine what that was like. It was pretty well. I mean, the whole first quarter
1: to half of the year was kind of like that, like, kind of like just managed expectations, always lowering and lowering, lowering. Luckily for all the conventions I do, it really doesn't count as a source of income for me, like, which is just great. I work a day job. Monday through Friday, full-time, like uh, like most people. Uh, and that that pays the bills and pays for comics, everything I do at conventions. I, I honestly lose a lot of money doing conventions, but it's kind of part of the game. It's how you network, it's how you, you see your friends. It's, it's like vacations every other week for me. Um, but I, honestly, like losing that social aspect it was like a real bitch, if I can be like completely frank with you. Contrary to what most con- creators feel about conventions, I really like conventions. Like I, I get like big adrenaline boost from them i always feel like a ton more creative coming back from them like after i've gotten to see my source point pals and my other creator friends and, and fans and stuff like that and just kind of being bouncing off of other people's ideas and stuff like and i always come back that monday or tuesday like jazzed and ready to go and like finding sort of something to fill that gap this year is has not been the same like because you know it's just I, the only day of the week i know for sure any week is monday because that's when work starts again but like by Wednesday, I'm not sure if it's Tuesday or Thursday anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the weekends are kind of like like I know when they are, but like Saturday and Sunday feel exactly the same until they're over. Um, so it's you yeah, it's 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 been it's been tough. I mean, like I said, we're 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 healthy over here, and you know, like I'm still making the comics, and that's that's going as well as you can hope for in this situation. But yeah, I definitely I definitely miss it. Um, I, I wonder how much it has. Stalled my career. Not not that like I had like this bustling career where I was doing ten books for Marvel every month or anything like that or any books for Marvel for that matter. But the opportunities to meet those Marvel editors were severely limited this year. I did two conventions and one of them wasn't that, even that big. So like you know it's it is what it is and you kind of got to figure it out and, and move forward. But uh, it does definitely suck.
0: Yeah. I completely feel the whole, like, I don't know what day of the week it is because like I lost my job, you know, I got furloughed and then laid off and then lost. So I just, I started my own business, like selling stuff online and everything is a blur. Like I wake up, I work, I work till I sleep, you know, but like, it's not really high impact. And next thing I know, like, it's Thursday and I have no idea that it's Thursday, you know. Even even my kid's school schedule doesn't really help me keep track of what's going on because it's the same for her. She just wakes up, gets on her computer and she's at school. It's it's bizarre. It's been a weird ass year <laughs> to say the least.
1: But <laughs> right. it seems like it might be turning up a little bit.
0: <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> so, I have been seeing how much, like your comic, especially Dead in Kids One, goes for on eBay? How is that feeling for you, like knowing that your comic sometimes is kind of a hot commodity?
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's absolutely wild. Uh, the first book came out a little over a year ago. Now it came out the middle of last summer, and it was a much bigger hit than most people who. who or had any opinion on it could 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 have ever guessed like i had very managed expectations i thought god if we sell a few hundred copies of this that's going to be a win and then you know bring in some fans we'll we'll, we'll sell a few hundred more in the next book and like we'll, we'll build this career over 10 or 15 years and we'll build up the fan base but then the first book by the end of it by the end of all the print runs sold like seven or eight thousand copies it's just insane um yeah and that that first print, um, all three first prints, but especially the uh, first issue first print, had a solid like 12 weeks where it was going for $40 or more on eBay, which absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> Just relatively <laughs> blows my mind because I am not afraid to spend a lot of money on comics, but I wouldn't spend a lot of money on one of my comics. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it's. I mean, that's, that's cool. I and mean, it's kind of like, it's something I keep track of now because... Yeah, it's just some. You, know, you you want to be able to grab a screenshot of that and, and use it as like a marketing asset if if the the opportunity arises. Um, and since we announced Volume Two God, about just about a month ago, a little more than a month ago now, I've been watching that first one tick up a little bit again, which is kind of cool. It kind of settled down around like fifteen or twenty dollars, but uh, still seem to go going for thirty dollars every once in a while. It's just it's crazy.
0: I did think it was funny. You posted on Facebook uh, somebody, it was running for like 25 bucks or something, but they had misspelled your last name. And you had said, "Come on, man! It's like on the front cover," <laughs> and that just that gave me a good chuckle because that's one hundred percent something I would do.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, eBay has given me a couple of really good stories. Like that—that's one of them. Like you know, you are gonna—it's a signed book. I signed it for you. The least you can do is you know write my name correctly. I wrote it on the book. It's printed on the book. Um, but when the book was first coming out, maybe, maybe this was October last year so maybe it just finished coming out uh i found the listing on ebay for the first issue graded at nine eight i actually i think i have it somewhere uh some of that power right there but uh it, it is here the guy was saying that he had like inside info that the the book had been optioned for tv which it, it hasn't <laughs> uh, so I, I scoped out this it was um it was an auction and it was at like $38 and I had like an hour left. So right at the last minute I sniped it for 40 bucks and and he had to put a a package together with my name on it. He knew I knew he was full of shit. He had to mail that to me and now it's my little trophy. That's Uh, that's awesome. It's my first print copy. And I got a graded copy for $40 it's
0: crazy. Right. Which is awesome. It would cost you that much to get it graded probably. Like I think it costs like 25 bucks just to get it graded. So
1: yeah. I have a creator account, so I can do it for like 35 shipped back and forth, but that's still, I mean, it's pretty close.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting, like, it 's interesting to see like how, as an independent creator you 've picked up steam like even over like this weird dead period. I mean, there was like a time you know for a few months there where like even d c and marvel weren 't putting out comic books because like everything was just so shut down and like it it 's interesting to see like you still have like steam rolling like even though you didn 't have the opportunity to go to conventions, you know people are still excited about what you 're coming out with. What do you think it is that you've been doing to like keep people interested like in you and in what you're doing over the over this year
1: yeah I, I could I can talk about that all day it's it's just a <laughs> lot it's like they call it the kitchen sink method but before I dig into that I, I want to touch on that first part you said where it's you know we have been in this weird period where, you know, comics were, were gone for a while, there was no distribution. And that was that was kind of like a really fucking scary time, if I'm being honest, because you No know, Heroin came out this year. And it solicited in the April catalog to come out in July. And the April catalog came out the last week of March, which was when everything shut down. Yeah. So I had I had this book. It's, you know, all the books I've written, it's, it's my favorite. I had pretty managed but high expectations for it. And then the second people are able to, to start pre ordering it, shop, shops are shut. There's, there's no distribution anymore. Di- Marvel and DC are just you know, furloughing everybody and like pencils down. Like all of a sudden, like all the the wind was out of my sails. Cause I cause we talked earlier in the year about No Heroin because I started promoting the book back in January. Like, yeah. Seven, seven months before the book came out, like I really wanted this book to be to be something that's it's a special book to me. I really wanted it to hit a lot of hands. And like, you know, then I was like, yeah, we're gonna I want to double the pre-orders from Dead End Kids number one. No her number one's gonna do 200 percent of that. And then, you know, that shutdown happened, I was like, okay, maybe we'll do as many pre-orders. Maybe we'll just, you know, we'll match it. And then like as time went on, <laughs> just eventually I was like, maybe this, maybe the book will come out this year. Oh my God, this book's not coming out this year. Yeah. Um and it, it was I mean it was incredibly deflating and like just finding, you know, Ways to keep people engaged and and you know on on their radars was that was that was a, a a Rubik's cube like with like a thousand moving parts because you know I'm trapped in my house like my I'm, I'm unlimited in what I can do but I'm limited by what I can do where I'm at so it's like it was, it was tough I'm, I'm happy to say that the book ended up only being delayed one week which. Blows my mind. Uh, it ended up coming out the third week of July instead of the second week of July. And we did 220 percent of the pre-orders, which is more than what we were thinking we would do. Yeah. So, like all things considered, like it was a big win in a lot of ways. And you now to, to get back to the original question, like a lot of that had to do with the stuff we we were doing, uh, source my press and myself, especially me. It was just a lot of engagement, continuing with interviews. One of the things I really pivoted hard towards this year, and I think you have too, is, is more video interviews. Yeah. I think that YouTube YouTube in particular, like when you look at some of those people, they have millions of viewers, they have tens of thousands of hits on day one. There's a lot of potential there, especially in the comic book space, because, you know, those, those that's influencers count for something, and those, that's what those people are. Uh, so I did a ton of that. I also did a ton to, to really broaden my retailer network. At the beginning of the pandemic, like that first week after shutdown started, um, one of the most fantastic retailers in, in the game. One of the the uh, pioneers in, in the retailing space, Jen King of uh, Space Cadets Collection Collection down in Houston area. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, she put together a, a private Facebook group called uh, Plan C. Plan C Distribution. Um, so I think the C was for comics. Um, but essentially, what it became was a group of thousands and thousands of comics professionals. Everyone just added everyone they knew, and I was in there, you know, having those conversations with people, but also finding the retailers, connecting with them, reaching out to them saying, hey, look, I know you guys are shut down. Like, is there anything I can do to help? I know you're opening back up. Um, I know DC and Marvel aren't sending product right now. How can, can I try and hook you up with my, my publisher? So my press is still operating, they have warehouse staff we can get you stuff we can get you stuff for free like we can we, we did some fundraising to be able to essentially give away the product so we don't lose money but so the retailers don't have to pay and that was you know i think about eleven thousand dollars we were able to raise for that and then we, we did the, the retailer relief variant for no heroin which was just you know really just a really successful initiative in that it brought money into shops Without costing them anything, but also put the book on a lot of people's radars, made it some, somewhat desirable. it's kind of a situation where everyone won, but just kind of every day sitting down and writing a list of things that we could do and, and just trying to execute on them as fast as we can to get us, you know, cast as wide a net. What, what's cool about that is like we really went out of the frying pan and the fire in a lot of ways. and. Now I know a lot more things that work really well. Um, whether they'll work as well or in the same way, like in a in a more normal environment with no pandemic, like it remains to be seen. But you know, promoting Dead end Kids too right now in a much more stable environment, not pandemic free, but shops are open, distributions happening. It seems to have paid like huge dividends. Like I know probably eight or nine hundred retailers, like on a first name basis, where I didn't you know a third of that at the beginning of the year and these are people who are out there in their own stores evangelizing my work like they they're like me they like my books they want to tell their 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 customers about it. that all sounds really arrogant so don't don't take it that way but you know that, that that's how it works like that you build a relationship with the retailers if you have a good book they're gonna tell their their customers about it. and i did the uh sort of manual outreach to all my retailer friends about dead and kids too and half of them were like oh no already on our radars, we had a couple of people come in and already ask for it, we we're pushing on people. I'm like, that's exactly what you want to hear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I you know i don 't think of it as as arrogant because you 've put in the work to to accomplish that, like obviously you put in networking and it's it's interesting because a lot of the things that we you know do a lot of the things that we anticipate doing, like talking to creators like you talking to movie stars and directors and that sort of thing like we've managed to accomplish that like on video chats this year you know so the things that we go to conventions for like we don't have quite as much as we would if we were going to like the three or four conventions a year but we still have plenty because we're able to like reach out to people that we probably never could have talked to but they're not doing anything so they don't care they're like sure I'll do an interview I don't give a shit if it's about a movie I did like 15 years ago you know <laughs> it's it's been really really interesting like I I feel like we're all creating these new skill sets that when the pandemic is over, we'll still be able to utilize in like really unique ways. And it's, it's really fun, like, and really interesting. It's probably one of the few upsides of this whole nightmare.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree a hundred percent. And we're all trapped in place. So there, there, there's no new movies. There's nothing to go spend money on really. Like, you know, it's not like we're going to have to eat or not taking vacations like all we have is time like obviously we all still have jobs and we have to take care of our families but anything we would have been doing that time is free and the people who use it are going to come out the other end you know with, with a few more skills and, and, and a little more well-rounded but you know at the same time like for anyone who's not handling this that well like and are just really just working on day-to-day stuff and like yeah mental health and stuff like that, that's absolutely fine, too. Like, I mean, there's there's no need to walk away from this in better shape as long as you walk away from it, right?
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, man, mental health has been a huge issue, like, just in our house and, like, with everybody I know. It's, it's, It's such a weird situation. I feel that, you know, leaning into, like, creativity and the arts and, you know, reading and writing and drawing and that sort of thing has been really helpful for me and a lot of the people in my family and in my friends' group. Do you find yourself leaning into like your creative instincts a lot more because you have you know more time and because we're all just so confined to where we are?
1: I want to I want to be romantic and say that I have been, but <laughs> I if, if I'm being honest, the answer is no. I think I've been as creative as I would have been if if the world was the same. Just because I'm I'm like a I'm an organized person. I don't I don't think of necessarily as like exclusively art there's like a practical aspect of it where i know i need to where i have a a schedule for the next few years of the books i want to put out and i know i need to have these books done by then and yeah this is the pace i move at so here's when we need to be done with this set of scripts and on art for that so i can get on the next one and like it's all very practical for me Um, that's not to say i don't enjoy it that like if there's not art involved like in the, the process but like i am really unromantic like people who identify as artists really pissed me off <laughs> but but that said like i have been able to lean into some of the more practical stuff like the networking like you know really figuring out the 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 giant questions around comic book marketing like comics have been around for yeah, if we're using Batman as like the, the starting point over 80 years now, right? And we really still haven't figured out how to market comics. Um, and, and yeah, with, with a one person staff and a limited budget, like I'm, I feel like I'm really making strides towards figuring out some of those bigger questions. Like how do you reach new readers? How do you keep people engaged? How do you make social media work for it? Like so many people, including myself in a lot of ways, like struggle getting traction on social media, especially with comics. I, I still am struggling on on Twitter like and that's like the real comic space like a lot of people on comics are on Twitter but my Facebook is really uh, not a personal profile anymore it is mostly fans of my work and retailers and like being able to use that as like a big signal boost um, so projects like that I, I've, I've been building a retailer database that's like really robust and has a lot of functions and like you know those kinds of really, you know, kind of the kind of things that I wouldn't be doing if, if, like, things were normal. I'd be writing if things were normal. I'd be getting up at 5 every morning and, and writing my five or six pages of script a day. And, like, so I'm trying to use the, the time to do with things that aren't that. I've also been playing a lot of video games, which isn't something I do. Yeah, I want to, but that's, like, one of those things where I'm, like, nope, there's just not time for it. So the, the new games pile up, and then they're old games eventually, and I've, I've worked through most of the backlog. So, like, I've been trying to work work smart but also like relax a little bit. I don't ever relax. Like last year dead and kids came out. I did twenty two cons. I did twenty two store signings in states that weren't California where I live, so that didn't include the California ones. Planned and had a wedding. Um and, and you yeah, just I don't think I stopped moving until like we sat down for this interview.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's funny, I've been playing way more video games than I ever played. I, like, 100%ed Final Fantasy fifteen. I went, like, crazy on Tony Hawk 1 and 2. Like, I'm playing Dead Days Gone right now. Like, and I, I'm the same way. Like, before, I was coaching a sports team and doing the podcast and doing my own thing and going to work every day. And there's just zero time to do that kind of stuff. And it's been kind of nice. Like, I've read books and played video games and, you know still manage to do all the other things that I need to do at home (laughs) it's it's pretty it's it's different it's you know it's funny because we talk about how awful it is and it is like tons of people are sick tons of people die but like there's these weird like upsides to it yeah Yeah, like little silver linings where you're like well I guess that's not so bad I just wish my friends weren't in the hospital kind of thing it's 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 nuts like the whole thing is nuts you know as as we're going forward like you know we're trying to move past it you know there's all this good news about vaccines and things like that but you know we don't really know what next year is going to look like yet you know there's a good chance that there won't be conventions there's a good chance that you know we're going to be you know or maybe just a few conventions or really limited you know people are allowed in that sort of thing like, what are some of the things that you're kind of anticipating doing next year if you're unable to, like, do the things that you would like to do? Well, I've already put in, like,
1: a like a hard rule for myself that I won't do a convention. Like, as of today, Yeah, with the way things are today and, like, the kind of projections for how things might go, I, I definitely am not doing any conventions until at least June. Like, that's just, you know, that's expert recommended timeline for like when things might look a little normal more more again and that's that's a long way away still but you know with that there's all the news coming out the last week or so and probably in the next couple of weeks that most of the conventions that would happen during that time are getting moved or canceled right emerald city and c2e2 are now in december when they would have been in march and april so right. i it's kind of it's fluid i i know that the big thing for me is I'm not going to travel if I don't think it's safe. Um, and, and I, and I travel a lot and I travel far and I'm happy to do it, but like a lot of able to travel again. So like
0: dying is dying's not on the menu. You know? um, Sorry. So, uh, I, don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny. I'm fine. Um, all, all, all the humor right now is gallows humor and it, that's my favorite <laughs> kind. So,
1: <laughs> so, so right now next year for me, it looks like um, I made the choice that we were going to do two books next year instead of one which was maybe going to be the case. I wasn't sure, but yeah, with, with all the extra time and the money I'm saving for traveling, like it made sense to me that, you know, there's room in the publishing schedule to do it. I'm going to do dead end kids suburban job in the first part of the year. And then we'll have a second book with source point in the, summer into fall months of the year and I'm um, giving you know, myself a little time in between them. But uh, um, I am also um, continuing to really dig into trying to figure out how to network with editors and like, you know, w- without the ability to meet them in person, like, you know, in my experience, which I've never done work for hire. So like, I, I could be totally wrong, but you know, based on everyone I've ever talked to and in you know, my limited experience so far, really, you know, until editors can put a, a a face to a name like it really doors, doors don't open that often No, right right i, I remember i was emailing with a, an idw editor for like two years and it was always, it was always very friendly he always emailed me back like which i appreciate because it's a lot don't ever yeah. but there were never any conversations until we we met in person face to face like mm-hmm. like it was it was we were talking but there were no conversations you know what i mean and then after that like it really opened up the relationship a little bit and like, I, th- I think it makes you real, you know, in, in a weird way. Yeah, while all that was happening, I was also putting together like a, like a back catalog of work that I had published, which I'm sure helped the situation too. So I'm figuring out like, all right, if there's no conventions and if no one is, is out, out for meetings, like how, how do we do this? Um, I will say that I did just last week get like my first email from an editor who I was talking to a little bit, who I really felt like, I was barely with my foot in the door. With reached out to me about doing a book, like not asking if I wanted to pitch for the book, asked me if I wanted to do the book, which was really cool because it's a book that I'm super fucking excited about. Like, I, I can't say what it is now because it's not 100% official yet. Um, the licensor says to approve me as the writer, but like it's 99% there already. Like, awesome. like one, one week ago, this wasn't the case. So I'm like buzzing about it. When, when and if I'm able to talk to it, like it's going to seem like I just cut right to the front of the line. <laughs> <laughs> I just jumped to the top of the ladder. Um, so fingers crossed on that. Um, but you know, that's it panned out. So I'm going to kind of take a look at that and kind of try and reverse engineer like what what worked there. You know, like it it, it could have been a million things. I don't know. But maybe I'll ask the editor someday. Like yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <it's> <laughs> your,
0: I'm sure it's your stunning personality or dashing good looks, one or the other. <laughs> Could be,
1: um, but uh, yeah. So 2021 is two books on the calendar, possibly, probably a third published thing. I'll know more about that next week, uh, and then I'm trying to dig out a couple more of those opportunities next year. Like my my this year, I had a couple of like goals that I set for myself, like you know milestones I wanted to hit, and one of them was for my first creator own project, uh, or not my first creator, my first freelance project, which just almost at the wire, we might get, you know, might hit that one. I thought that one was just awful and it wasn't going to happen, no way. Putting out um, New Harlem, making that a hit, doing everything I could to do to make, make people like that book and read that book. Um, so, like, you yeah, know, I didn't get to do my my 20-plus conventions. I didn't get to do any store
0: signings. But uh, I'm hoping next
1: year will be at least a little bit different.
0: Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like you've, you know, managed to actually, like, get through all of this, like quite effectively, you know, it, it, it sounds like with the exception of like the goals, cause I remember like, you, you know, you're, you're a very different kind of person than I am. Like you're very organized. You like set goals for yourself. I, I'm the guy that just goes, all right, let's do this thing and just like runs at it headlong until I like fail at it. So like, it's, it's that it, it's awesome to me to see that in spite of like all the craziness that's happening, Really, the only goals that you were setting for yourself that you weren't able to, like you know, fulfill, just revolve around the fact that nobody could have fulfilled those goals because yeah. none of those things happened because you know, pandemic. <laughs> so every
1: day when I wake up, the um the song Eight Mile from by Eminem like starts playing in my head. I'm <laughs> just like yeah you know, it just gotta gotta be too big to fail you know can't just gotta be so so good they 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 have to notice me kind of thing like i for for good or for bad because like, there are some days where I drive myself a little too hard, but yeah i you're right i i do just kind of make a plan and stick to it That it you know that's that's the perception right there's there's a lot of pivoting and there's a lot of fuck ups along the way and we just we just don't talk about that um, right but, it, <laughs> but it's it's yeah you know, it's uh what does Vin Diesel say? It's not... it's uh, family? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or by a mile, winning's winning.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, if, <laughs> you're not, I mean, if, if you're not so first, I mean, you're last? No. <laughs> uh,
1: no, That's Ricky Bobby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, Frank, you know, as we're getting kind of towards the end of the end of the our our chat, I don't even feel like it was an interview. I just feel like I'm chatting with one of my friends right now. But like as we get towards the end of it, like you know, let our let our viewers and listeners know, like how can they get a hold of their your book? How they can they keep Shit. track of you? How can they find out about your exciting news of your new property? Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed for you. Like, yeah. where, where do we go for that?
1: All right, um, let me let me tackle those in some kind of order that makes sense. All
0: right, first things first. Um,
1: the the sequel to Dead End Kids is uh, in solicits right now. It's up for pre order. Uh, it is called Dead End Kids: The Suburban Job. It is a sort of sideways sequel um, in the vein of like a True Detective season. So it's not the same cast. It's not the you know, It's set maybe in the same world, but it doesn't really matter. It's a it's a fresh start, new reader friendly kind of deal. Um, but if you read the first one, it, same creative team, same look and feel, you know, dark as hell, you know, it's, it's, you'll get more of what you love the first time around, hopefully. Nice. Um, but this, this book is centered on three teens in 2008 who are the loved ones and survivors of folks who died on or because of September 11th. Oh. Um, so we've got three new kids. Tori, who is the daughter of a firefighter who died on Ground Zero on September 12th. Brian, who is the brother of a soldier who's killed in Afghanistan a few years later. And Amna, who is a young Pakistani-American woman who's, you know, living in America in a post-9-11 racially exacerbated, uh, you know, kind of world. Uh, and then these, these are three former friends who are kind of almost, you know, antagonistic to one another um, as they've fallen out over the years. And they're brought back together when they come across a bag of stolen cash that belongs to a local drug dealer and kind of gets them on uh, his radar. So in a lot of ways, it's the look and feel of the first book, but it's also an inversion. You know, it's not a tight-knit group of kids who all get along and take care of one another. It's kids who are struggling with, with a lot of shit at home and, and kind of dealing with it in isolation. And this is, uh, you know, it's it's very much a story about sequels. Like this is, you know, their second shot at a friendship. And, you know, what, the, what does that look like? There's some meta-commentary in there too. Um, of the two books, I definitely love this one a lot more. I think I'm a better writer. I think uh, it's it's about something that's extremely personal to me. Um, I grew up in New Jersey uh, within eyeshot of Lower Manhattan. Like, we could look across the bay from where I lived and see the Twin Towers on a clear day. Um, I remember sitting on our beachfront and watching all the people around me horrified and watching the smoke kind of plume up. And, you know, it, it, I, I've thought about that kind of day for, for almost 20 years every single day of my life and how it's affected me. And I really wanted to take that emotional engine of the first book, you know, that, that look at childhood trauma and, and, and laser focus it on this one specific, specific event and how that affected an entire generation of kids and, you know, kind of channel that through a specific set of kids who are going through a specific set of things. It's not a book about nine eleven. Like I, I would have never done that. I, I'd feel really uncomfortable. Or, or dirty like writing a book about that making money about it. but it is about what these kids are going through seven years later and how it's affected their lives and how it's changed their lives and how it's hurting them um it's also a heist story you know it's kind of it's got that, that crime angle don't worry it's not all sad it's it's sad and dark and crime um so that's in, that's in previews right now you can order pre-order that at your will comic shop anywhere in the world pre-orders are due by december 4th if you want to make sure you definitely get a copy Anytime after that, you're you know you're rolling the dice. Um, and if yeah, the first book was any indicator. I would get the, the pre-order in earlier rather than. I've been saying um you, you can you can preorder it for four bucks now, or you can buy it on eBay for forty later. Yeah, yeah. It seems like. Simple, simple math.
0: They are Um, definitely going to go poof quick.
1: (laughs) In addition to that, the No Heroin Collected Edition is also in previews right now. It comes out the same day as uh, Dead End Kids 2 number one, both on January 27th, 2021. So um, if you missed out on the series or you want a nice copy for your shelf, uh, I designed the trade dress and the trade paperback itself. It's a really... Good-looking collection, lots of stuff at the back. Uh, it's a, it's the kind of collection I would pick up. It's and it's only ten bucks. You know, it's regular size trade for way cheaper than most, um, especially if you're buying Marvel books. So so pre-orders are there. Um, people can follow me and you know, all the all the other places. I'm on Twitter. Like I said, it's not great, but I'm trying. If, if you're a creator or a fan, you want to connect with me on Facebook. I have a Facebook profile. Hit me up there. Uh, as long as you're not flying a swastika or anything in your profile picture, we'll probably get along. And uh, I'm on Instagram. Everything is just slash Frank Google, at Frank Google, just one word, no space. I also do a newsletter. This is the one that I, I try to point people towards the most. It is no algorithms. It's it's really unfiltered. Um, we're talking about Dead End Kids Two now, but uh, I was talking about Dead Kids Two in there, got over a year ago. Well in advance the announcement. Like I'm, I'm pretty transparent in there. With uh, that property that I might be writing, I can't say that specifically, but I'm definitely going to talk a little bit about how, what that experience is like in there. But and then I try to make it worth people's while. Like I don't try to clog up your inbox; it's twice a month. They're are exclusives if you like variants and stuff every once in a while. Like I just really try to make it worth people's while. And we're coming up on I think a thousand subscribers there. So uh, and if anyone wants to do that, there's links for that in my Twitter bio, in my Instagram bio, on Facebook. I post about it every once in a while. You'll, you'll find a way to connect. So any of those work. I think I think
0: that's everything, right? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> well, Frank, as always, it's it's really a pleasure to have you on the show and like it's really it's fascinating watching your star rise and like being able to talk to you while it happens. And especially through like such a tumultuous like year that this year has been and like being able to see like optimism to reality like over the course of the year it's been really really cool and i can't i can't wait to have you on again maybe like as dead end kids is rapping or something like that so we can see like this journey keep going because i mean I, I get the feeling that someday I'll be like, yeah, I've talked to Frank Google and people will be like, no shit. Like, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my goal. <laughs> so.
1: yeah, that will mean, be a great experience for you. But when I'm like, yeah, I talk to Frank Google all the time. People are going to be like, oh, it's time time to lock his ass away. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm happy to come on. Thank you for your time. Like everyone always thanks me for coming on, but you're, you're, you're in the middle of your night. You got kids, you got a family, you got shit to do. You're gonna. Take time to post this and promote this. Like, I mean, this is such such a bigger commitment for you than it is for me. So, so I appreciate your time, um, and I will absolutely love to come back and, and for forever. No matter how high my star rises, like if I'm if writing Avengers and Jonathan Hickman's like my my, my caddy, like he's carrying around my, my, my computer or whatever. Like, even when I'm that big, um, I'll still I'll still come back because nice. I'll have the I'll have the championship. But I'll have to <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> right? honestly,
0: well, we'll have to get you that championship belt, man. Once you overcome, I, I'm gonna. I'll ask Juan, who's been on the most, because you've got to be. You're close. I know you're close, and I think the the guy that's been on more, like I said, he's another creator. I think he's only been on like four, four maybe five times. So like you, you're like there. You're like right there.
1: <laughs> awesome. i back next. I'll come back next week. We can talk about whatever you want
0: right on well frank thank you so much for being on the show as always like i'm really looking forward to dead end kids too if it's anything near as good as the first volume or no heroin i'm i'm sold because i've like I, I mean i love both of them i've I voraciously read both of them so thanks again for being on man we really appreciate it
1: thank you The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is made available by its creators, Juan, John, and Gabe. The podcast is edited and produced by Juan, and Albi is the co-executive producer. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is a barren Space production.